lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. They're here as well. If you would like to join us today, 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample and share, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Coming up. Our weekly edition of Buy, Seller, Hold. Not even a global pandemic gets in the way of one of the most popular segments we do on this show each and every week. Nor does it stop our weekly profit of woe and lamentation. In fact, it brings out the absolute worst, I mean best. And our good friend Daniel Horowitz, he will be joining us to take us inside politics a little bit later on. But before we get to all of those zany hijinks, here is Aaron's rundown of what has happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a deal. The White House and the Senate purportedly reached a deal on a $2 trillion stimulus package to assuage the economic malaise brought about by the Wuhan coronavirus. The deal includes provisions for anyone making up to $75,000 a year to receive a one-time $1,200 check. Couples making up to $150,000 a year would receive $2,400 worth $500 for every child. The bill also includes $100 billion in assistance for hospitals, $350 billion in assistance for small businesses, $500 billion in aid for corporations, including airline companies, $150 billion for state and local stimulus funds, and probably a lot of pork we'll be seeing over the next couple of days. President Trump said yesterday he's anxious to get the economy back up and running in the next couple of weeks. Because we have to do that. I'd love to have it open by Easter. Okay, I would oh, love wow. to have it open okay. by Easter. I will I will tell you that right now. I would love to have that. It's such an important day for other reasons, but I'll make it an important day for this too. I would love to have the country opened up and uh, just raring to go. Look, Easter's a very special day for me. And I see it's sort of in that timeline that I'm thinking about. And I say, wouldn't it be great to have all of the churches full? You know, the churches aren't allowed, essentially, to have much of a congregation there. And most of them, I watched on Sunday, online. And he was terrific, by the way. But online is never going to be like being there. So I think Easter Sunday, and you'll have packed churches all over our country. I think it would be a beautiful time. India is completely locking down its country for the next 21 days due to the Wuhan coronavirus. The country is home to over 1.3 billion people. Prince Charles is the latest celebrity to be diagnosed with the Wuhan coronavirus. Back home, over 55,000 cases of the disease have been confirmed with 802 deaths. And now checking in on Joe Biden. Have you been uh, tested for the coronavirus? No, I I have not been tested for the coronavirus. Uh, I've had, thank God, no symptoms that I'm aware of. Doesn't mean that that can't happen. Up for the next round of primaries, (coughs) including... I have not talked to any individual. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, you're supposed to cough into your elbow. I don't know 
sir. That's, I learned that actually covering your White House. That's, that you no, did, actually, actually, that's true. But fortunately, I'm alone in my home. But that's OK. Now, all of a sudden, he is being tough on China. He's making sure. And now he's being mm-hmm. soft on his xenophobia in the past. So I just I just can't figure the guy. It's like, it's, I don't know, it's like watching a yo-yo. I shouldn't have said it that way. It's like watching. It feels that way. I want to ask. I want. (laughs) That's okay. Are you at all concerned, as Trump said, that we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself? We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. And finally, a priest, a cell phone, and fun video filters walk into a mass. Here's what happened. Buonasera, ci ritroviamo insieme per pregare, io in chiesa e voi a casa. Oggi è venerdì di quaresima e vogliamo pregare con la via crucis e la benedizione. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage today brought to you by our friends over at Simply Safe with Home Security. There's two ways you can go about protecting your home. In fact, let me let me just stop here for a second. We are seeing now, I saw this news last night, I think California was one of these places. Uh, maybe it was just specifically LA. But this idea of you can't buy a gun, but we're going to let the prisoners out, of, uh, out early. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really not trying to be a shill here in specifically tying in <clears throat> that cough was sponsored by Joe Biden. I'm, I'm not trying to be a shill here by specifically coming contriving angles to tie our sponsorship partners into what's happening in the country. But boy, howdy, do they just keep tying into what's happening in the country? All right. So let me. In fact, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna do my own simply safe message. We have this at our house. It's the home security system that we use. Pay for it out of pay for it out of our own pockets. It was so easy to install. I can do it. And you guys know that Amy does anything with, that requires any installation. Amy does. Even I could handle this. Okay. Um, I don't know what it costs. Amy says it doesn't cost much. Um, but uh, right now, you can get a 60-day risk-free trial to try Simply Safe right now. If your home is not secure, with massive shutdowns and lockdowns going on around the country, but you can't go out there and defend yourself, and then let's let the let's let the prisoners out while we're at it. Come on, man. I mean, I, I cannot possibly come up with a better recommendation for Simply Safe than that. Just watch how your government is responding to this. Protect yourself. Go to simplysafe.com slash truth bombs. Here's the other thing, too, where it's handy is when not saying this, not saying this happens at my house. Maybe at a friend's house. Like when your oldest teenage daughter you know, um, has her boyfriend come over. You know, you get video surveillance and stuff like that with Simply Safe. You know, it's got it's got other ancillary accoutrements as well. Like, again, not 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 saying that it's been used for such um, for such means at my own home, but I'm just saying. All right. So so now is the time right now. Go to simplysafe.com slash truth bombs. Simplysafe.com slash truth bombs. You'll get free shipping. 
and a 60-day risk-free trial. So you've got you've got nothing to lose. 60 days risk-free, free shipping at simplysafe.com slash truth bombs. You're not advocating <clears throat> people use it in the way that you just described. You're just saying it could one be. could. It one could. Like if you're on vacation and your yes. oldest teenage daughter stays behind because she's got a full-time job, can't get the time off, and you know. You want to know if the boyfriend comes over while you're gone? Again, th- these are just, it's an option. That's all I'm saying. These are just options. Value added. That's a good way of putting it, Todd. Thank you. So here's where we're at now in this, in this debate. Several of the key questions that we started asking on this show well over a week ago that a good number of people lost their minds that we would dare ask, including a portion of you in this audience, frankly. That we just thought we have a right to ask questions like this because we don't have the answers. And we're making a lot of, I mean, far-reaching, sweeping policy recommendations, reinventing our way of life based on assumptions that have yet to be questioned. And remember when we started asking those questions, I I told you those first couple of days, we might not like the answers we get. We might not like the answers. This all may be necessary, if not more. But we deserve to know, right? We, We deserve to know what those answers are. A couple of those were, how long has the virus been here? And we pointed out to you these curve graphs you're seeing uh, no reported U.S. cases in March 8th. And now look, oh, freak out. Well, does that necessarily mean the virus wasn't here on March 8th? We don't know. When did it arrive? First recorded case was in Wuhan, China that we at least know of. I, I assume the Chinese are lying about that. But that we at least, they're at least willing to acknowledge was November 17th of last year. They didn't notify the World Health Organization for two more months. Now we're getting some of the answers to the questions we asked. CDC is now saying the earliest recorded case they have in the United States, Spokane, Washington, right around January 19th or 17th, I think it is. And it's a man who traveled from Wuhan, China. Yesterday, Dr. Debbie Burks, who is, I think, running, was appointed by Vice President Pence to run the White House's task force on this. Actually, over the last couple of days, she has said these things now. She she said on on. Uh, on on Monday, that the virus has been here for weeks to penetrate New York City the way that it has. Yesterday, she specifically tagged the proposition that, you know, we've got hundreds of thousands. In fact, it, the number's 370,000 Chinese college students attending university here in the U.S. And hundreds of thousands or 300,000 of them came back from Christmas break and their government lies to them too. These are all things we, we were talking about in this show well over a week ago. I wrote about it in my piece on The Blaze on Monday. And again, it's not because I'm an expert. It's because I want to know what the truth is. And I'm using common sense to ask questions, as we've encouraged you guys to do. And I'm, I am greatly encouraged now. I have seen a sea change in my inbox in the last week. Now, so many of you are now asking critical, critical questions I haven't even thought of, frankly. I mentioned to you yesterday the, the the number one reason I thought to compare flu and pneumonia seasons 
And that data of hospitalizations and mortality rates and economic or socioeconomic impact uh, was because you guys in the audience were asking me that question. I hadn't even thought of that one on my own. So thank you for that. And now what we are seeing is a lot of those questions that we're asking are getting answered and answered in ways that frankly don't justify what we are currently doing to our way of life. And if you want further proof of that, you can see that the academic community is now turning on itself. We already told you about Dr. John Ioannidis. We told you about his stats news piece last week. We told you about his peer-reviewed white paper yesterday. We walked the audience through that on yesterday's episode. There is today in the Wall Street Journal a whole different Stanford University study that is saying that the death rates, mortality rates just are not there to justify what we're doing. They're just, they're just not. And then if you, I know you've read through this one, Todd, as well, so make sure I, I'm getting this right. Um, if, you, if you prorate this data based on the trends we're seeing and the data we have right now, you're talking about a mortality rate of 0.01% of those who contract the disease. And almost all of them would be either people that are elderly or with multiple pre-existing conditions, right? Is that what that study says? Yeah, which bring, brings the hysteria. You can't compare this to the flu. That means you can compare it directly right. to the flu right. in terms of season to season. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily who the flu affects, Not the how pathology, it but exactly. the socioeconomic impact. The yeah. policy, yeah. yes. Um, there's a piece today in the Washington Post uh, written by the director of the Center for Infectious Control. I think it is... Um, the same uh, epidemiologist at the University of Minnesota that was on Joe Rogan's program a couple of weeks ago that a lot of you urged me to listen to when I listened to that whole thing. He's actually worked for the last five, if I'm right about that, this gentleman's worked for the last five administrations, including this one. And and that piece, I think, does a very, a very good job of, of balancing um, the calculus that the president is looking at now, the medical the medical consequences with the socioeconomic ones. And this one, this one does that. And it does, and it points out that what we're seeing in other countries is that if you, if you look at countries that have gone on complete lockdown, like Spain, and you go in countries that have not done complete lockdowns, like South Korea, you're not really seeing there, there, there any difference in the infection rate. You're not really seeing it. There, there's not really any evidence that shows just mass quarantining hordes of healthy people We'll just make this thing go away. Progressive Valhalla Sweden right now yeah. is totally running counter to all this, right. is not locked down anything. Here's why I believe that is happening. You know, we, we talked yesterday, and full confession and transparency, one of the reasons I worked with a team of people here at The Blaze and that piece that came out Monday is in other people that you're seeing in conservative media, which I would urge you to go, and some people are doing some outstanding work. Sean Davis at The Federalist, our old friend Jordan Schachtel, of course, our buddy Daniel Horowitz. Um, uh, you've got uh, Dan Bongino has done some of this work as well. Just asking a lot of good questions. Has iron ever sharpened iron better Agreed. in your experience? I, I told, not, in my, not in my career, no. And, and we're not like sitting around just, you know, uh, smelling each other's farts here. Uh, we're not just assuming that because we want this stuff to be true. If you know anything about Daniel Horowitz, he doesn't let you get away with that, first of all, okay? He even he even wants to ask you questions we don't need to know the answers to. <laughs> God bless him. All right. 
Okay. Like right now, he's like looking at the fourth ward of the Edinburgh uh, uh, province in the in Scotland. Okay. All right. To, to see if he can figure it out. Okay. Um, it, we didn't just take. We, we're not. We're not doing the conservative version of the Imperial College study. Let, let's just take what we the narrative we want and just run with it. And I'd urge you to go follow all those people, share all their work, ask all the questions that they're that they're asking as well as us. Well, a lot of this was done, I, I frankly, under the pres- presumption that we would have to we would have to provide a lot of political cover for the president to eventually say it's time to return to normalcy here. Well, lo and behold, on Sunday night, the president just went there on his own instinctively. <laughs> all right, and so this this debate has has accelerated by several days, if not weeks of where I thought we were going to be in this debate because we were sitting here game planning this on our own show. Correct. All right. And what I did tell you was going to happen after the president went there though, has occurred. The hysterics are going to become worse now because this is, this is now, this is now a political game of poker. It's a political game of chicken. See, I believe you're seeing Oxford University came out in the Financial Times yesterday. That's not a right-wing publication, by the way, folks. Oxford, Oxford, where's where, where's Oxford located? In what in what country? That would be the UK. The UK, which is where who's located? The Imperial College is, is located there too. So for them to come out in the Financial Times with their own study and say we. We are very surprised that governments just took this Imperial College uh, simulation and just took it at face value. That's, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's lefty elite on lefty elite crime is what that is. That, that's, that's fratricide on the other team. They're turning on each other. And the reason why is because the Ilan Omar Ocasio-Cortez wing of, of lefty academia is who is who's responsible for planting a public policy contagion in my opinion they they planted a public policy contagion known as these dramatic simulations and governments freaked out because before governments were were tracking this and thinking all right given we've got better healthcare systems than Italy all right even if something like that happens here you know compared to what we have to deal with cold and flu season with 331 million people in the United States we can we can handle this. We got respirators on standby. We can, we can do this. Okay. And it's a little bit like to put it in, in, a, in terms you and I would understand as regular people. You see a commercial for Alexis on TV and you're like, oh man, I could never afford that. And then at the end of the commercial, it says you could lease this for 350 bucks a month. And then you and the, you and the missus or the mister decide just, yeah, maybe we 350 bucks a month. I don't know. Maybe we can squeeze that ride into our budget. Right. Then when you show up at the car dealership, they tell you there's no more financing and you have to buy it out of pocket and it's 50 grand and your sticker shock is, oh bleep, we cannot afford that and you, and you panic and, and eject. That is what Imperial College did to the American, to the U.S. government. The U.S. government went from looking at this responsibly. Let's hey, first first event. Let's shut down Chinese travel. Right? We can let's look at this piecemeal. Okay, and and went and went cataclysmic, pedal to the metal when this simulation was. You know why? Because it was fed to all of the medical professionals. They, they, this was where all the medical professionals got their data. Was this simulation and others like it? 
Well, now we're almost a full month into this. And the, and the, the trajectory is not what is in these simulations. And, and mass social distancing is not giving us a better, a better ceasing of the infection rate than, than practicing the traditional models of herd immunity, targeted isolations that we've used for thousands of years. Understand that people with primitive medicines did this. People who were literally, who literally thought everybody who was sick was demon possessed, understood in, in other eras of human history to practice herd immunity, quarantine the isolated. If they had not done those things properly, we wouldn't be here today. Humanity would have died out thousands of years ago. They've been, we've been battling plagues long before Al Gore invented the internet, folks. But we abandoned a lot of those models and went with this new way. And now we're getting data in that's showing we're not really seeing any difference in the mortality rate. We're not seeing really any difference in the infection rate. But we are seeing a massive socioeconomic cataclysm. And that's what this piece in the Washington Post points out. It's time to start having this conversation that we can afford to do this. Because here's the other thing. Well, we need more masks. We need more ventilators. We need more respirators. We need more medical equipment. Where's that all going to get made? Who's going to make it? Because those are the jobs you... I cannot just in my 3D printer... At home, fire off a design for a, for for masks, and then and then and print ten million copies, and then ship them out. The jobs that you need to fight this are the ones that cannot be done from home, and we shut all these industries down. And now we're seeing the data shows it didn't give us any more of an advantage than if we had not. And so now, lefty academia is turning on itself. Make no mistake. Stanford University doesn't agree with us on global warming, and neither does Oxford, and thinks we're all a bunch of rubes. I promise you that is true. But you know what they're also don't want to be? The ones that at the end of this are, are get the blame for causing 30% unemployment, mass suicide rates, family dysfunction, great depressions. They don't want that on their, on their conscience either, because if, they, if, they're, if they're wrong on this, we're never going to listen to them on the stuff they want us to listen. We're not going to listen to them later on 57 genders. We're not going to listen to them later on. Keep doing abortion to, to thin demographics. If, if they're wrong on something this existential, all the other stuff we're going to just say, screw you, man. We know we can't trust you. So they're, they, they're, 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 they're pushing back because this is political for them too. Their integrity is, they're, they're, is on the line here. They have to be right. And if they overshot this whatsoever, and whole ways of life are never fully ever repaired after this. They're the, they're the flat earth society, guys. They are the flat earth society. We're not believing them on anything of controversy. Do I really have to give, and I'm pro-vaccine, but do I, do I really have to give my 13-year-old daughter a HPV? Really? Is that kind of overkill? I, there's 57 genders? Really? Because they just told me it was a boy or girl and we had all our kids. I really got to kill all my babies, but yet we have to bring in all these unskilled foreign workers because we have a worker shortage? What's the best way to, have a, to fill a worker shortage? Uh, have more babies, right? In other words, <laughs> if they're wrong on this, they are discredited on everything going forward. And so now the Nancy Pelosi wing of academia 
is beginning to push back on the on the Ilan Omar, Andrew, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib wing and say, you guys are going to freaking knife us based on the trend lines we are seeing. So that's the first political war that's happening. After the break, we're going to talk about the other one. But I want to stop and get you guys' take on that on that one right there. Because now you're seeing lefty academia asking all the crazy questions and, and questioning all the, the premises that we were talking about on this show a week ago. Aaron? Uh, so uh, first thoughts are, what, what needs to happen uh, in order for the, the powers that be to have enough cover for them to do what needs to happen? And that's a word soup way of saying um, how much how, how many more articles from Stanford epidemiologists, how many more articles in Politico, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal does Lindsey Graham need to read in yeah. order for him to have cover? And we're going to get to that say in a minute. we yes. need to reopen the economy. And so yeah. I, I don't want to step on that yeah. uh, uh, very much at all. I would say it's been very encouraging because this is. This is the most consistent we have seen Trump on a singular issue for a period of days uh, where, you know, he is casting a vision. That's that's the least that that's the that's the least it, that, that we can do at this point. But it's it's very impactful because at least people can see, you know what, Easter, maybe whether or not I think Trump is crazy. At least there's some end in sight here because the people on most of the people on social media right now. Most of the people on Twitter right now are the same people uh, who, who are driving this debate on both sides are the same people who are, who are still probably uh, getting a check through all of this, who yeah. aren't out of work right. through all of this. Right. And so uh, for, for Donald Trump to say, I hear the people who are not on Twitter, that is that's a big deal. It's, it's the least that we can expect, but that's still a big deal because mm -hmm. the people who are in his ear are probably not saying uh, we need to turn on the economy again. So that's again. That's that. That's a major development, and I'm glad that we're actually skipping over some of the some of the forecasts. I think that we had in our minds as far as how this was going to play out politically, and getting right to Trump is at least listening, at least listening to the the so-called little guy. Here's another way that the left is deathly afraid of becoming the flat earth society it's it's why jake tapper is out there quoting the talbot now right in defense of life because if if this thing returns like trump does and you have the imagery of easter listen what what the american people are discovering is that yes sometimes you regular life seems like it's it's drudgery but they are they're discovering my regular life before had tremendous dignity in it i went to work i didn't always love my job but i was taking care of my family yep. and i was part of this great tapestry of america you know one body but many different hands and feet we're not all rich we're not all geniuses but we're part of this thing that makes life go and we and it allows us to worship the way we see fit and it allows us to find entertainment in the way we see fit and it brings glory to the great creation that is the united states of america and those like jake tapper they they are terrified of giving us back our dignity and we are discovering it here locked in our homes how great it is to be alive and to be a part of this american experiment and we want it back 
that brings us to what we're going to talk about here after the break, because that's this is now where the second front on this political battle will be waged. And I, I think that the concern here um, is, is not with the president, actually. In fact, I'm confident that it isn't. But we have this dynamic here, and we've seen this play out several times in his presidency, where there is instinctively um, a, a desire to do what we would like him to do, like defy the courts on the census question. And then Bill Barr comes in and says, well, you know, courts make law. You can't do that. Okay. This idea, defend our borders. Well, you know, then the Chamber of Commerce comes in and says, well, we need the human chattel. This is where the biblical principle of being unevenly yoked comes into play. And the bad news is there's nothing we can do about that. It's a wretched, it's a wretched political party. It just is. But the good news is there's more of us than them. And he needs us. And even more so, he knows it. He knows it. And I think this is now where we are going to come into play as the people in this conversation. We're to talk about that when we come back here in a moment on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. It's unavoidable. The minute something becomes a public policy dispute, politics comes into play. So we're going to navigate and negotiate those politics some more when we return. This portion of the show brought to you by Home Title Lock. It can be shocking how easily your home can be taken away from you. And that's what Deborah found out when thieves went online where her home's title is kept and took it from her. Uh, made it look like she sold her home to them, uh, evicted her from her home. She lost over $80,000 uh, in the equity she had in her home as well. And, and then had to spend a, a, another small fortune trying to get it back. This is where home title lock comes in. The uh, The FBI says it's called home title fraud, says it's one of the most popular crime waves right now because uh, it's the most important investment most Americans will ever have. We've all got our home titles pretty much online where they can go on there, scam their way in, hack their way in, or even if they can't take your title away from you, make it look like that you've signed it over to them and then liquidate your uh, equity and stick you with those payments at the exact same time. Your bank can't protect you. Your mortgage lender can't either, but home title Lock will. Uh, register your home at HomeTitleLock.com right now and enter Steve for one month of free protection. HomeTitleLock.com, enter the promo code Steve for one free month of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code Steve. So we have now entered into the political phase of the coronavirus debate. And we were always going to enter into this phase. We just got here quicker than we all thought we were going to. And here's what I believe you're happening, or what I believe you're seeing happen. We talked about the first part here in the last segment. Academia now is politically beginning to turn on itself. 
please don't confuse the terms vicious with cataclysm. It's a vicious virus. People that that do get the worst of its symptoms are taking, even though there's a high recovery rate, a lot of times they're taking weeks to recover. Okay. This is, it's nasty. It's a vicious virus. Don't, do not underestimate that part of it. Okay. And, and haven't we said that too, from the day we started covering this full time? Yes. Okay. Don't, don't, it's, don't, do not take, do not, just as we don't, we, we are now responding to the political overreach to this virus. Don't politically overreach the other way to it either. Okay. That's what I really liked about the Washington Post op-ed they published today. It really attempts to try to look at this as objectively as it can from a data perspective on both sides of this debate, because they do have to be balanced. Just as academia is now concerned that these simulations are not going to occur, that we're looking at, you know, the worst epidemic since Spanish flu, that was 100 years ago. Just as academia is concerned about its integrity there, we have to remember our integrity on the other side of this debate is at stake too. Start sending everybody out there into the public and then if we have a massive cliff shortly thereafter, we then become the flat earthers. <laughs> okay? I'm not urging us to, I, just as I, don't want, I didn't want a bunch of government overreach on what we don't know, I'm not asking for a bunch of, uh, of, of standing down to the threat on what we don't know either. We don't know. We don't know. We do know it's a vicious virus. We know this. And even people who recover are, in many cases, taking weeks to fully rid the, their bodies of the symptoms. But we've now entered the political phase of this debate. Because it's now being debated from the premise that I thought we had to debate it, frankly, from all along. Well, once we knew we had the medical infrastructure in place, okay, once the medical infrastructure is in place, like when, when Vice President Pence said last Friday, we have 20,000 respirators on standby, all right, when the medical infrastructure is in place, we are now afforded the luxury of debating it from a public policy standpoint. And that's the phase we're in now. And whenever you go there, it gets political. Because that political bodies are how we determine how to act or whom we act through on our policy questions. When we have the, we, we, they're the vessels we use to act on the answers we think we have or we want. And so you're seeing a, an academic political debate where lefties in academia are concerned that they got caught calling this Captain Trips and it's not going to be. And then if, if they're discredited on something this existential and cataclysmic, then a lot of their ideology becomes discredited from there. Here's how this is, I believe, playing out in the domestic political sphere for us. What you have right now, and, and let me give you an example of something that happened to one of our own here, just as a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So Glenn Beck, on his... Is, is talking on his show last yesterday about altruistic sacrifice. Now, let me set the scene for you here. Glenn is sitting in a studio at his home that he built. He built this studio in his home. Now, why did he put it there? To self, um, uh, to, to self quarantine, <laughs> to practice social distancing. <laughs> All right. 
we've been getting internal protocol emails from the Blaze. Our whole the whole staff here has about safety precautions and how we're going to act. They're down at the the main the main corporate office is in Irving, Texas, just outside of Dallas. They were putting protocols in place with social distancing and those sorts of things at, at, at HQ before Governor Abbott even acted a couple of days ago down in Texas. We did this special here a couple of Tuesday nights ago where Glenn was concerned that too, many, too much of, of red state America is blowing this thing off. Don't do that. All those things, right? Oh, True? yeah. Yeah, okay. So with this is the backdrop now. If anybody in if anybody with a real name in conservative media has been trying to get red state Trump's America to to be, take this virus seriously for the last few weeks, if anybody with a bigger name than Glenn Beck has been doing that, show me who that is. I, I don't know who that is. I mean, Glenn. I mean, some of you were emailing me a couple of weeks ago. Wow, you've got a completely different look on this than Glenn Beck does. Right before you, I'd be fascinated to see you guys confer. Right, we were even talking about yes. that. Some of those emails we were getting. So, so this is a guy that's been trying to get Fox News America to take this thing seriously. He's in the basement of his home, I believe, where he built a studio himself to self-quarantine, to practice social distancing. Now, with all that as the backdrop, he suggests that at some point we may have to consider altruistic sacrifice for the greater good, which is inherent. It's an inherent moral value of Western civilization. It's why people become first responders, soldiers, okay? It's why, it's why women and children got on the lifeboats first. Altruistic sacrifice is inherent. It's in the DNA of Western civilization. He discusses this because he's now concerned that, like a lot of us are, the cure has become worse than the disease and governments, like they're doing this $2 trillion stimulus. What are they stimulating? There's nothing to stimulate. Everything's shut down. We're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. They're, 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 there's nothing to stimulate. Nothing. And for that, he's trending on social media. Uh, he hates grandparents, hates the elderly. Glenn Beck says, throw your, old, your, your, your grandparents overboard to save your 401k, right? Okay. Yep. And this is the guy who probably is the biggest name in all of conservative media. One of the, he's always, he's been one of the biggest names in conservative media for decades. But he's probably been the biggest one trying to raise the alarm on this. And suddenly now... You know, uh, uh, he's uh, he he might as well be Infowars, right? Here's why that happened. Because this is a political battle now, and it's a game of poker and chicken. Now, if there is anything I trust Donald Trump on, it is that. Okay, I mean he is he has not made his billions, folks, through careful, meticulous study of economic theory but through winning games of, of chicken and poker with other wealthy people. And that's what this is now politically. Because most of the left understands, too, we just can't stay shut down. So does most of the media. In fact, most of the media is not shut down. They're, they're, going, they're driving to the White House every day for briefings. Those same lefties on social media saying you hate the elderly uh, if you don't uh, stay home, they're driving to 30 Rock at MSNBC studios every day, and they don't, they're not turning on their own shows. Teams of engineers, makeup artists, the whole infrastructure is still there. While Nicole C. Wallace is trying to talk and Alzheimer's riddled Joe Biden through one five-minute segment, understand that the, a, a massive team of people were required 
to 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 throw to try and throw Joe Biden that lifeline at MSNBC yesterday on Nicole C. Wallace's show and on every single one of the rest of these shows at the exact same time. All right. On every single one of these shows, armies of people are still working there to bring you the message. If you don't stay home, you're terrible. <laughs> All right. It's a political game now. And so here is the game. The game is to put enough pressure on Trump. And if you can't pressure Trump, and it appears he's not going to be pressured on this because he's just instinctively opened the door to this conversation all on his own. Before we had to pressure him from the right, he did this. God bless him. So now the pressure is going to be on the Republican Party system. The Lindsey Grahams, as Aaron said, the Mitt Romneys, the Mitch McConnells, the John Cornyns, you know, the reasonable Republicans. Because the game is now, have the economy and our way of life shut down long enough that it does irreparable harm so that they can then blame Donald Trump for it all and all fall in the election and make him the 21st century Herbert Hoover. That is the game. That is the game being played. And when you've got Jake Tapper quoting the Talmud and other people talking about, I can't believe you want to sacrifice my grand. Keep in mind, first of all, refuse to be lectured to on altruistic sacrifice in the greater good from those who also say at any point in time you decide you don't want that child in your belly at any point in time you may go and dismember it to death and then vacuum its remains out into the trash can do not folks accept being lectured to by the likes of that ever all they know about is sacrificing someone else for themselves they would know altruistic sacrifice if it handed them a $1,200 stimulus check. So there's two reasons they're peddling this talking point. Moral confusion is one. And if, listen, if you don't have a faith in the Almighty right now, I don't know how you would avoid all moral confusion, frankly. Here's the other. It's just a BS partisan talking point. Like everything's racist. It's a BS partisan talking point to get you to shut up, to shame you into not speaking out. If they're morally confused, that ain't your fault nor your responsibility. And if it's a BS, so ignore it. Uh, that's between them and God. And if it's a BS partisan talking point, refuse to be silenced. Refuse. Refuse to be lectured to by the Planned Parenthood Brigade. Hell no. Hell to the no. Because that's where your talking point is from. Hell. So I'm sending it back there. You can go to hell with that talking point. Nope, not doing it. Now here's the gamble. Here's the gambit though on the president's end. He needs to, he needs to open this country up incrementally before they hang the, the, the collapse that they basically caused with their own hysteria, demanding he do something. He needs to open this thing up incrementally before they hang him with their own hysteria but he can't do it early enough that we still aren't really completely have more of it. At least, well, we're never going we to we we have a complete handle on, on what we're dealing it's with until it's over, right? But he needs to have more of a handle than what we've got right now. So, so um, he, he can't do it too early and he can't do it too late. He's got to do it just at the right time. And this is now where we come in. He needs a lot of prayer because he can't do this he, he can't message this as, in the end, we can't go bankrupt. Because that messaging is how they'll turn on him and make him look heartless. He needs to message this from the greater cost 
that we are paying as a society, which he's doing right now. But they're going to bait him into making it not about that to to get him to make it more of a, a, a more of a shallow conversation. So he needs a lot of prayer, and he needs a lot of support. You need to keep calling. Several of you emailed me saying, man, that switchboard is busy. Keep calling it. Keep sending emails. We're praying for you. We got your back. You were elected. You were entrusted with the will of the people. And we're going to trust you. Because you trust us. And as long as you trust us, we will trust you. You got our back. We'll have yours. Because the game is now going to be about seeing if you can get the Republican Party system to kneecap Trump like it has done several times in his presidency already. Hey, we're not going to have any more trainee soldiers, Pentagon says. Yes, we are. We're going to leave Afghanistan, Pentagon says. Eh, maybe not. We're going to secure the border, Chamber of Commerce says. No, we're not. Right? How many times have we seen this? Sure. This is this is the same game is going to be played now. And the goal of the lefty media is to pressure the <clears throat> reasonable Republican constituency or reasonable Republican faction into paralysis long enough for this to do irreparable harm so that when they do finally open this thing up, it can't possibly recover in time for Trump to win re-election and they turn him into Herbert Hoover. While they go to their convention in your home state and get rid of, uh, of, of, of dementia-riddled Biden and put Andrew Cuomo in there instead, America's new sweetheart governor. Mark my words, that's exactly what this is about right now. It's what it's about right now. And the more they deny it and the way they deny it, and they'll call, the names they'll call you, you're a conspiracist. That's, that's just complete horseback. You don't believe any of it. That's just confirmation that that's what this is about. Everybody knows we can't keep doing this given the numbers we're seeing. They all know this. Lefties like going to their Hollywood galas too. They like, they like college football too. They like it too. They like going to concerts and stuff too. Their kids like prom and graduation too. They know this. So this is now a game of chicken. How long can we keep this thing shut down so that we can, we can, we can put the noose around Donald Trump's neck when it's over and he gets no credit for getting us out of it but instead gets branded as Herbert Herbert Hoover for overreacting to the hysteria and panic that we actually caused. That is the game that is now being played. Your ballless, testicularless Republican Party is is in the is is going to be caught in the middle of this. That's why seeing columns in places like the Washington Post that matters a lot. Because I can promise you, no one in Senator Romney's office read my piece at the Blaze. I promise you. And no one in Senator Lindsey Graham's office read Daniel Horowitz's piece at Conservative Review yesterday, I promise you. And nobody at John Cornyn's office is, or, or I'll, I'll go with his own senator, Lamar Alexander. Nobody at Lamar Alexander's office is reading Sean Davis's stuff in The Federalist, who lives in Nashville, I promise you. But they're all reading what's in the Washington Post editorial pages. And so if the Washington Post op-ed is saying, hey, we got to start having this math, that's good news for us. But that is where the political battle is at. Keep letting him know and letting your neighbors know on social media you got his back and keep letting the White House know that as well. Hour two is next. We are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us. 
Don't want to miss that. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace is where you can find clips of this program that you can sample and share with others. And if you do listen to us via the podcast, please uh, consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you choose to podcast from because the more of those we get helps the show to grow and then it makes it more likely we get to grow alongside this show rather than somebody else growing with it. All right. Thank you to the thousands of you that have done this for us already. Please, if you haven't done so yet, we've all got some free time right now. At least most of us do. Please consider uh, leaving us one of those five-star reviews now so I don't have to bug you f- about it later. Let's get, oh, that got me all choked up. Let's get to buy, sell, or hold, brought to you by Riduzone. It is time for your reality check. How are you doing with that New Year's resolution to le- lose weight, eat right, get healthier? Well, now's a really good time, by the way, uh, to be doing that. And, and another thing, too, I was just reading, I think you actually shared this. In New York, they're giving uh, patients who test positive but are asymptomatic, they're giving them vitamin C supplements. Yep. What did we tell you to do on this show, like day one? And I, we told you we were doing it with our own kids on day one. That's what we do with our own kids yeah. before coronavirus. Yes, but yeah, but yeah pump yeah, in the vitamin yeah, C. But well, we do that anyway. When we up the ante. Yes, like we, we do. up the ante at our house, okay? They're doing that in New York now uh, with people who test positive but are asymptomatic. All right, so that's an example of how preemptively being healthier can immutize yourself from what is happening to some extent, give you more control over your own health. And one of the largest, one of the largest um, immunity systems in your body is in your gut. Okay, so that's where getting that under control has enormous positives from a healthcare perspective. That's why obesity is one of the uh, the immunity deficiencies they're concerned about as a pre-existing condition with making people more susceptible to this if they test positive. All right, so if you want to get back on the wagon, give Riduzone a shot. You can only get it on their website at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. And here's why this product may work for you when others have not. It's got. To, it's the only one that's FDA accepted that has this molecule called OEA. That's a naturally occurring molecule in the body that helps the body to know when you're full so that you stop eating and get your portion sizes and those sorts of things under control. And your body already has this OEA. We're just going to put more of it in there to make your body stronger in this area. If you want to give it a shot, 65% off right now. If you want to use my name, Steve, as the promo code, use promo code Steve when you go to riduzone.com, up to 65% off, and they throw in free shipping as well. Promo code Steve at riduzone, R I D U Z O N E, riduzone.com. Let's get to buy, sell, or hold. Aaron has, uh, with the help mainly from you in the audience, a series of uh, propositions and predictions that you and I, Todd, are going to decide are we buying that? Are we selling that? Once per episode, we will permit you to put a hold, but if you do it for any reason, other than that is so beneath contempt, we should not even dignify it with an answer. You have you have violated, even in these perilous times, you have violated the dude code. In fact, I would argue that during these perilous times, the dude code needs to be almost in a, in a, in a state of martial law. So if you see a test pattern, it's because we immediately decided that Todd or I called a hold and the other two understood that you must be taken out back and flogged. That that just can't happen right now. Aaron, all, go ahead. All in, baby. Yes. Indeed. We'll start with Chia Jesus. Oh, gosh. Alpha and Omega-3. I have no idea. 
some of these names where you guys come up with these. Remember, I mean, this is Chia. I this yeah. is this is like the third or fourth time we've had this person's suggestion on the show. I have no idea why they named their name that way, but it is what it is. The media continuing to cry wolf will erode public trust to the point that future natural disasters will see inflated death tolls as people disregard warnings. These increased body counts will bolster climate alarmist claims. Oh, I think you saw that with this. I'm going to buy. I think I think you saw this with with this. Um, you were racist. Trump was a racist for you didn't have to overreact. You didn't have to stop travel to China. And then at the same time, why isn't he overreacting at the to this at the exact same time? All right. I mean, I think there's little doubt about this. Uh, how many people had how many healthy people were asymptomatic and had this all along and then went over to grandma and grandpa's house, you know, all winter long and gave it to them. I, I, I think yes is the answer to that. That's an absolute buy. And, and this is the danger you're in when you have an uninformed citizenry mixed with self-government. That is a witch's brew. That's a that's a toxic brew because now people are acting on impulses, sentimentality, emotionalism, and and not on real information. So yeah, I, I will buy that. Well, I'm not going I'm not going to buy it only because I think so much has to be I'm going to sell. So much has to be figured out in terms of where our collective psychology goes from here. But I absolutely buy the premise of the question because it's it's been successful. The premise you're talking about is how we got to the point of believing abortion as a, sac, a, a public policy free freedom sacrament. That's the your premise is how we got there. By, the, by that level of just cut, putting our guard down on what is uh, the difference between right and wrong, uh, that worldview matters, and and simply acquiescing uh, to this the kind of nonsense that has controlled our entire uh, collective civic psychology now for decades. Constantinus Renata says, by next year, you'll be advised to get your yearly coronavirus vaccine like your flu shot, even though it'll be like the flu shot and mostly ineffective. It'll also be required vaccination for traveling to China as well. Bye. Bye. What's the flu shot? They say, is it 30%? It depends. It depends yeah. year to year. Yeah, yeah, it depends year to year. But last year, what I heard is it had about a 30% ineffective rate, meaning that about 30% of the people that got the flu shot would, would still ended up symptomatically getting the flu, right? So, but at the very least for travel back and forth to China, that absolutely will occur and, and maybe even should, frankly. Um, so particularly on the Chinese end. So um, I will buy that, yeah. You're buying as well, Todd? Yeah, yeah. you said buy. Yeah. Uh, MD Shipley says, if Trump stands his ground in opening up the U.S. economy by Easter, the unemployment rate can bounce back to around 6% by October. Um, I will I will buy that because there's the psychology of this as you were just talking about that um, there's going to be pushback. Even people who would like to get back to normal are going to be worried and concerned. That's why the earlier you do it, the better. Um, because you 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 give states who are going to be slower to get online. I could see dem some Democratic governors in places like Michigan and California. 
particularly the one in Michigan who's got, you know, maybe vice presidential aspirations in this cycle. Well, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, because they can just then turn around and just blame Trump for, you know, why their states are bankrupt. There's going to be that. Okay. You used, you used abortion. Let me use that as an analogy for this. If Roe v. Wade gets overturned to the Supreme Court, abortion doesn't go away tomorrow. It, it then just becomes a state-by-state state battle, right? We've talked about that mm -hmm. before. Yes. Okay? In several of your red states, it would I do think it would go away. Places like Alabama, Mississippi, Oklahoma, it would go away in those states. Um, even in some, red states that have large populations like Texas, Florida, you know, there'd be real battles there. But we would be favored if it was, if it was a point spread in the game. We'd be favored, but it, but that that is not a, that game wouldn't be like a blowout. We'd have to play it out through the four quarters. Places like California and those kinds of places are going to turn themselves into abortion mills to the to the end. You know, um, same thing will happen here. President says it's time to go back to work. This is now going to be a state by state battle to do that, and a lot of states are going to be anxious to do this for both political reasons and socioeconomic ones. Some other states may be hesitant to do it for real medical concerns, but then ultimately, because politically, they'd like to hang Trump's noose a little bit longer, okay? So the battle will shift, and that's why it's gonna take, that's why I keep using, the, I've used the term gradual or incremental buildup. It's not like just we turned the light on and turn it off, and, and we turn it back on, and, and now there's light. We didn't just pause the movie, and we come back and, and, and the volume is still the same on the surround sound and the TV's still on and we just hit play and everything's back to where it was when we hit pause, no matter how long it was paused. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, this is going to have to be a ramp up and there's going to be some resistance to that ramp up, which is why the long, the quicker that he can do this, because there's going to be some lag time there. Say just, I'm throwing out a number I have no evidence for, but just for the sake of argument, say it's Easter. It's going to be in probably another 30 to 45 days before you're still you're going like to a movie theater to see a movie or something again okay um and then the lo so the longer that takes and that's psychological nobody told amc theaters which is the number one and amc and regal are the number one and two theater chains in america and maybe cinemark is in there now too um, they all shuttered their, remember they originally said we're going to just go half capacity for social distancing. And then before the States even came in and said, shut everything down, they shut themselves down. That's psychological. They're, they're, they're gauging the psychology of the marketplace. They will do so again when we reopen for business. Okay. How many, for, for example, if I'm AMC theater and I own 1700 theaters, I think they own nationwide. Before I call everybody back to work, how many people butts are we actually going to see in those seats? Because I can't have people just standing around and doing nothing, right? Because I'm still losing money. All of those things have to be factored in. This is like a reboot in many respects. Systems come back online gradually. That's why the sooner you do it, the more you can work that lag time in, the less painful that, that lag time is as well. Because then, because if then if you want to target it and say, all right, some manufacturing and stuff, regardless of the healthcare cost, has to come back online right away because that's where we're getting our healthcare infrastructure. Meaning that because we need the masks and stuff so much, we just have to risk exposing the workers because that we we. We can't we can't fix the sick we have now without these supplies, right? The, some of this will be prioritized.
and and then you may find, hey, we, 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 you know what? We've got this infectious area. We can't get it under control. The amount of industry and stuff that comes out of New York City, guys, is, 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 is massive. If they can't, you can reboot the whole economy. If you can't get New York City sane, you're going to have to outsource a lot of those hubs and decisions that are made in its financial sector are going to, be, are going to have to be made some places elsewhere. This is going to be a ramp-up process that might even take the entire next quarter. And that's why I go back to what I said last hour. That's the political game that is being played now. Get Trump to hold off doing this late April, middle of May, late May. Now your lag time is late June, early July, mid-July. You've tanked the whole next quarter. So that's the battle that's being played right now. That's why I'm going to sell on this, only because that 6% number, it, it seems like you're asking that with a degree of relevance towards the past. And we're going to get back to that mattering again. But within this next year, for political reasons or otherwise, it's almost immaterial. It's what you're trending towards. It's how you are healing. And all of a sudden, a, 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 a number that's larger than 6% that would have felt like a death knell under normal times, as long as you're trending towards improvement, it's, it's going to be have to be read with a different set of eyes and ears. And I think that's what Steve is saying. Mm-hmm. That's well said. TB says, Black Mirror update will speak at CPAC before Steve does. <laughs> Bye. I don't, you know what, man? I don't know. I've got, I've, I've had conversations and stuff with people that I have not talked to since uh, uh, May 3rd, 2016, when Donald Trump became the presumptive Republican nominee. And I've had reunited. I mean, we're peaches and herbs right now. I've got, I've got friends I thought I'd lost. And bridges I'd long burned are, have now spontaneously rebuilt themselves. Okay. So I, this has been a fun trope on our show. I, I could foresee a time here in the near future where it may be retired. Okay. I mean, guys, I agree. I'm, I actually agree. I, I am the, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. right now like leading the charge of the light brigade right now. Okay. Telling my audience, call the White House, have the president's back. I, I, I don't know. You know? I mean, I don't know that this trope has the shelf life that maybe it had even a month ago when it seemed like it was limitless. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, moving on. Jason says the narrative established after a return to normalcy will determine how often this type of event happens going forward. Amen. Yep. Something I- Something I've thought about is... What what template did we put on on the record for our enemies, right? You know, like when when you're watching film of the football team you're going to play that weekend, you're looking. You, you're you're the first thing you're going to look at is number one. What are their tendencies? How do they react in certain situations? How do they tend to react? And can we gain an advantage by pointing by finding out what 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 their defaults are? And then number two, you're looking at opponents that play similar to you and how they played in response to that, right? What template did we put on the did we put on film for our enemies about how fragile our information ecosystem is? That because see, I, I really believe this. I will state this now. I really believe when this is all said and done, we're gonna find 
that much of what occurred here is because a couple of places like Imperial College and COVID Action Report that are climate, heavily, heavily climate alarmist and activist with that, not just alarmist, but activist with that alarmism. I mean, it's not just academic with this. They're, they're trying to impact public policy. That, that they were the patient zero of the information contagion, the public policy contagion. We're, I think we're going to end up tracing a lot of this back to them. Why we, why we did all of these overreactions without the data. And if that's the case, that they are essentially the security guard there out front of the military base who didn't lock things down and let Captain Trips out because he jumped in his Chevette and drove across country instead and killed the world, okay? If that's the case, what we, what we showed our enemies is that our information ecosystem is in a very vulnerable state. We can easily be infiltrated. The amount of confirmation bias, circular reasoning, um, the, the self-pleasuring, the ideological self-pleasuring circles that those who control the flow of information are eager to have satiated and satisfied, how they will just jump on and glom on to things. I, I, I think that is a major concern going forward. Major concern. Because if we know anything about warfare in all of human history, whoever controls the flow of information has control. There were other reformers, church reformers, before Martin Luther came along. <clears throat> they just didn't have Johann Gutenberg inventing a printing press so they could get their information to the masses. And so when the church didn't want to hear what they had to say, they could just, you know, burn them at the stake and then dig up their ashes and burn those. And nobody knew, right? Millions of people didn't even know about it. But now all of a sudden comes a Johann Gutenberg with a printing press, and now Martin Luther can get his information, his polemics, his takes on things into the hands. He, he controls the flow of information now. And so he can get his take on things into the hands of the people before the church's massive bureaucracy can even act. Now whole, whole villages know what Martin Luther thinks before Rome can act. And our information ecosystem is in a very... You, you want to talk about our manufacturing base? We need to address that, Yes. You want to talk about outsourcing all of our antibiotics and everything else to China when this is done? Absolutely. But let me tell you what I think this is exposed as our number one vulnerability in a geopolitical stand standpoint. The f our, our informational ecosystem is hanging by less than a very thin thread here. And that's something I think the Xi's and the Putin's and the Islamic jihadists of the world are, have probably taken great note of in these last couple of weeks. And and rightly so. Listen, for uh, progressivism in terms of an ideology, it's there's a contrast to its tactics, which in football language are remarkably conservative. They get away. Uh, they've uh, managed to establish what that that terrain Steve is talking about because they are that team that just runs the ball and runs the ball and runs the ball and never gives up. And they know you're going to tire out in the fourth chord because they know your linebackers are Mitt Romney. And they've known that for right. a long time. Right. Dick Butkus is not, and Mike no. Singletary aren't coming downhill. No, no, you're looking, you got linebackers who are contact averse. Yes, they're not. You're not looking. Your guys aren't looking to rearrange people's orth orthodontal appointments. Your your linebackers are are are, are waving Olay, okay, and they're 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 trying to like take guys out at the knees to avoid contact. Can can I give the audience an example of what I mean by this? 
let's say that this is not a Chinese bioweapon, all the other theories, that it really just is a virus in Wuhan that got out of control. Let, let's just say that. Okay, and the timing just so happened to coincide with China getting bruised in a trade war with Trump and China getting lit up in its own financial sector oh, in Hong Kong. I still think that's as likely as anything and, and, else. And that's, and, and let's but just, it doesn't mean it wasn't weaponized. Yeah, let's just stipulate to that. Okay, let's say a year from now, Trump gets reelected, man. He's got the wind at his back. He's, he won the popular vote by a couple of points, right? America's humming. He's, he's not Hoover now. He's FDR, man. He's FD freaking R now. All right. And he's going to reset the electoral board like FDR did with the New Deal. And it's success. If you're China now, and now America's like amping up its manufacturing base, we're producing 80% of our antibiotics here instead of letting them do it. You're taking a hit if you're China now. Because here's the other thing, too. Other nations are saying that maybe we do have to do business with the United States instead of you because they're kicking your ass. Why wouldn't the Chinese then, if they didn't do it now, I mean, these are people that forcibly abort millions, millions, forcibly, millions of their own people, roll tanks over their own people. Except for a couple of places like Hong Kong, Peking, and Beijing, the rest of that country is in the Ming Dynasty, eating salamanders at wet markets. Why wouldn't they then in the future, a year from now, just... Even if it wasn't like a real virus, but like the rumor of one. The rumor of another one. And this one's worse. Right? What, what? Seeing how we reacted, why wouldn't they do something like that? I mean, Putin spent how much money trying to manipulate with, with, with bots on Twitter? Manipulate, turn people against each other in the 2016 election, right? Why is he just sitting over there thinking right now? Dude, a year from now. We'll just throw out a rumor of a virus, or maybe we'll just give him one. Dude, he was in the KGB. Think he doesn't know how to do it. He ran it. Think he doesn't know how to do a black op like that? Oh. We, just, we just showed our ass to all of our enemies and showed, don't worry about taking us on head on. Don't take the U.S. military on head on and get wiped out. Just feed our media a narrative that it wants, and they'll do all the dirty work for you. We put all of that on the record, on film, for all of our enemies to study. To me, that is the biggest concern going forward yeah. when this is over. That's what I mean. They weaponized perception this time after cover-up of this disease. Once they decided it about face, they went all the way the other direction. Not necessarily just because of the science. They don't love their own people. They weaponized perception by locking that thing down with draconian measures. They wanted it, the world to see, right. like, well, no, this is what we're... We're taking this utterly seriously. That was less about their own people than the entire world, and they would do it again. You bet they That's would. important, too, because where did the original lock, mass lockdown strategy come from? From China, who's, who doesn't care about its citizens. South Korea, who does, didn't do that. Japan, who does, didn't do that. That's another excellent point you just made. And yeah, that's the foreign policy. That's the foreign policy threat, de depending on what the narrative or what the response is coming out of this whenever. But this is why I, I tweeted over the weekend that, that, the, the, that the left in, in this country and, and around the world is going to, no matter what, when this thing dies down, when this thing down, dies down, they are going to use this to point to everyone and say, hey, look, statist control over your lives really does work and you should listen to us more and more which is why yep. which is why uh at the end of this 
the narrative has to be established. If if it is indeed not as lethal, not as lethal as what those projections are, the narrative has that that's the narrative that has to be established, not the status uh, status control over your live uh, lives actually works. That's the narrative that we cannot afford to have happen either. Because the next time some uh, some mutation of the rhino virus of some strain of the rhino virus comes along, they're going to nickname that the uh, Death Valley Possum virus mm-hmm. and name it something really scary and try to whip everybody up into a lather again. And that's, I mean, if if we're not careful coming out of and this, And why that's wouldn't they why, time it in the fall? Yep. All the all the all the fall sporting events, kids going back to school. That's a massive economic boost time in America. You kill the Christmas shopping season on the heels of that, where the where the where the majority of retail business in America, because that would be the one of the biggest hits China would take if we went back to manufacturing textiles, right? How many of your clothes that every big box store you go and buy, where are they all made in China? What if they're made here instead? Why wouldn't they just crush our Christmas shopping season, which is where a majority of all retail business in America is done just during that time of year, from October to the end of the year? Why wouldn't they just crush it with wars and rumors of wars, except now it's viruses and rumors of viruses? Why wouldn't they just do that, seeing how eager we are to turn on each other and cast our own narratives for, for stupid political power, when by and large, with limited exception, you get very little difference in policy depending on which party wins? Very limited. Before Trump, didn't we, we've borne that out how many times? Between Reagan and Trump, really, how different, how different would America have been if Barack Obama won instead of John McCain? Barack Obama won instead of Mitt Romney. Be honest. How many people went out there and lost their damn minds? America's over. Look at what John McCain was after he lost. Basically, Barack Obama with a war record. How much different was it? It's Shannon's unibrow. Yes. So... They, we showed them they don't have, they don't have to take on that vast military fortress we have built unprecedented in all of human history. Just go on Twitter. Just go there. That's all you got to do. Just send an email to Don Lemon. That's all you got to do. Give Nicole C. Wallace another broom to ride. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. That's it. That's it. Don't send your soldiers out there to get freaking curb stomped by the badass U.S. military. Don't do that. And save your suicide bombers. You know, use those at home. Just go on Twitter, man. Just start dropping bombs there. We'll turn on each other. That's what we showed here. All right, let's finish up with uh, something a little bit more uh, fun. Uh, Russell Lerno uh, submits his top five most influential video game consoles of all, all time. Number five, Sega Genesis. Number four, Super Nintendo Entertainment System, so that's the SNES. Number three, the PlayStation 2. Number two, the Atari 2600. And number one, the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, this is a debate America needs to have. Yes. But you're, but uh, can you put that graphic up there? This is like when people, I've said this before, when you ask me, who was the greatest president ever? What's always been my answer? George Washington. Why? Why? Because he was first. Yep. It, and if he sucked, would, there, yeah. what would we have not had another of? Right. Right. Okay. So guess what should be number one? Atari. Atari 2600. I agree. Because if, if that blew chunk wads, no one, there wasn't going to be the rest of these industries. That, I mean, you and I are old enough to remember that that was like a force of nature when it came into our homes. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that I, was I like this, the internet. 
for our generation, it was the Atari 2600. I have as fond memories of playing River Raid as yes. I do of Mike Tyson punch Yeah, and Pitfall, I, Pitfall. And, and Konami's double... Well, actually, that was on NES. But yeah, I know what you're saying. I'd put the NES then number two after that. Um, but I'm with you on the PlayStation 2. The leap, in, the, the leap that the PlayStation 2 took graphically and everything else really helped to spawn the, the generation of, of what we're seeing now. All right. And, and that's what helped Xbox, Microsoft decide to get into the game and everything else. So I'm with you on having the PlayStation two, number three, I, I, but I'd switch the order of one and two. I mean, and I wouldn't even, I, I mean, it's not even to me, it's like number one with, and then there's like a chasm because Atari 2600 was in the, in the, in the, in the early mid 1980s, what the internet was to America yeah. in the mid to late 1990s. It changed everything, everything. Changed homes, way we lived. It changed. It changed everything. Agreed. Okay. See, I don't. I, the twenty six hundred, the Atari twenty six hundred, was the one on this list that I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that. The rest of the list, I completely agree with. I just because I, I, I can't keep all the Ataris straight, and I don't think I've ever even played that one. It was the, it essentially was the original. They had other Ataris, the fifty two hundred seventy, but the Atari twenty six hundred was the original one. And that, I mean, that changed everything. Mm. You play Pac-Man at home. Granted, it was nowhere near as impressive, but still, it was yeah, it was flipping Pac-Man. You had I to know. play it at home. I you know. know. All right, we'll come back. Our weekly profit of woe and lamentation is next. Stay tuned. Well, we've talked in the past about how if you need or think you need to replace those carpets and, and bite the bullet on a big time expense there uh, to give Genesis 950 a try first, well, you may be in a situation where the carpeting may not be an option for you unless you can do that yourself, lay that yourself. A lot of these places are not letting uh, people come in to do work or do deliveries the way they have before, uh, given the current scare. So... You've got even more of an incentive to give Genesis 950 a try for those pet stains and odors that even when the carpet is vacuumed and looks good, still simmer in the room. And that's because you got to get down into the padding. That's where a lot of those things are hiding out under the surface. That's what Genesis 950 does best. It's also um, green friendly. So it's safe for your family and pets as well. You can put it in your own uh, carpet cleaning machine that you have at your house. Uh, and you can even use this for cleaning everything else too, by the way. I mean, the nice stuff in the kitchen and bathrooms, the grease stains on the floor in the garage, but where it really shines is with pet stain odors and removing them for you and for good. If you want to give Genesis 950 a try, you can do it right now by going to Genesis950.com, Genesis950.com, and use the code BLAZE to get a discount when you go to Genesis950.com. And it's made in America, too. That's, uh, yes. that's a really cool part yeah, about Yeah, this. absolutely. Yes. He's also made in America. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz, here to take us inside politics. How are you, brother? Hey, they haven't outsourced me yet. Not yet. Yet, probably being the operative word. But let's get to the the public policy now of coronavirus. And one of the things I let the audience know earlier in the program before you came on is that a group of us have been working on this from that angle, assuming that we were going to have to kind of push President Trump to go there from the right. And then we got up Monday morning and realized that overnight, totally on his own on Twitter, instinctively just went there anyway. 
And so this debate has accelerated several days and weeks on the public policy side from where we probably thought it was going to be when we were talking about this over the weekend. And now you're seeing lefties in academia are now coming out questioning other lefties in academia. And I want to start there to get your take on this, because my analysis is that's political as well, that you've got veneer, you've got venerable institutions now, Stanford, Oxford. These are places that also believe in 57 genders and climate alarmism, but yep. they also have reputations to protect. And they're looking at some of these trend lines and realizing that, that things like that COVID action report and the Imperial College report that spooked our government and, and, and was fed to every medical professional institution in the country, the trend lines of what they were putting out there are not what we are seeing. And I think they are now concerned that they're going to get caught here as the Flat Earth Society when this is over. Daniel, that this will be vicious, but not existential. And, and, then it, because, and then if we couldn't trust him on this, then we can't trust him on the rest of their agenda. And I think there's a political fight now being waged left on left here in academia over this. Your thoughts? I wonder if that's what's happening or if it's certain individuals that the individual scholars that have some sort of soul left in them. And when I say soul, I mean this. <clears throat> Let's start off from the beginning. Let's say you have a team of medical doctors and a patient comes in and a guy says, I think you have this rare disease and there is something like this. I forget the name. Um, we're going to have to cut off all your limbs. OK, now imagine the, the patient being. All right. Yeah. Hey, where, where's the scalpel? OK, now, if you're a normal patient or you are one of the other doctors, you're going to be like, wait a minute. You got to overturn every stone to ensure that that is God's will and there is nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you will do everything you can to avoid that outcome. So let's just start it as a baseline. We should all agree that the severity, forget about even the economy, but the severity to liberty in the long run of the ability of any dinky county executive and mayor, much less governor of the federal government, to shut down anyone, anything, any place without any transparency, without any data, without any timeline indefinitely is evil and it needs to be avoided at all costs, even if ultimately you would discover it's a necessary evil. But our government and nobody has been acting with that sense. They don't look at the other side. And then obviously we're not getting to the nuclear winter of our economy, stuff that you couldn't print enough money, no matter how many trillions of dollars you pass, it it won't cover it. Right, we're it passing a stimulus, that. but there's nothing to stimulate because nothing, nothing is stimulate. happening. Yes. There, there's yeah. nothing, it, it will literally go in the black hole and next week they'll have to pass another two, two trillion and keep doing this, right? So it solves nothing. And that's why it's not even worth talking about or, or even delving into that, although they will make us like Venezuela, for nothing. That is the antecedent to all of this. We got to be 100% certain that we are going to sit and do this to ourselves, that we're going to cut off all our limbs. And, you know, I have an aunt who um, was just diagnosed with a serious case of colon cancer. She's a widow. She has no one with her. Her friends, one of whom was a doctor, would take her and ask the right questions. Nobody is allowed to come anymore. She doesn't drive. There's a lot of serious logistical and emotional problems. We need to remember putting the economy aside just from a healthcare standpoint. Mm -hmm. There are other people in the world aside from coronavirus patients. You've right. got cancer patients. You've got heart patients. We can't even begin to imagine when they are right now striving for, reveling in, uh, longing for, encouraging, inducing 
uh, one month, two months, five months, rather than saying, look, okay, let's maybe a few more days, a few more days. We'll, we'll, well, let's take it at a time. No, school is canceled for the rest of the year, thereby destroying, you know, more, you know, no one learns anything in school anymore, but but it's the parents and, and the workplace that's going to be a problem in a state like Virginia. Let's calm it down. Why would you seek to do that? Why? That is the question we all need to be asking. And that does not mean that this is not severe and that people will die. But let me just say one thing if I say nothing else today that's important for your audience to hear. For those who say that somehow you are not pro-life if you don't care about we need to save every single life, you can go straight to hell. You know why? Because you and those very people who are saying that garbage were the very same people who couldn't give a darn, Steve, in early and mid-January when we could have actually stuffed this and blocked it. We had God knows how much travel from Wuhan. Right. They'd have called you a racist for trying to stop it is what they would have done. Yeah. And and Trump probably would have done it earlier, but he, you know, the the airlines, the industries, and the race hustlers got all over him because even when he did it, which was too late in the end, um, they were, were all over him. Pelosi, as late as February 1st, was pushing to denude him of any authority to ban travel. That That is when we could have done it. I'm sorry, but because of your policies, liberal, tyrannical, anarchist schmucks, is why whatever baseline of two, three, four, five thousand deaths we're inevitably going to have, that is baked. Whether we would have gone on lockdown or mm-hmm. full bore or somewhere in the middle, which is really where we need to be, that would have been baked. They have no evidence that what they are doing now, especially going from severe distancing to full lockdown, has any value add at this point. Mm-hmm. Here's the other political battle, I think, being waged. A, a, a colossal game of chicken. I think this is a game of poker. Now, even at times, I've been my most skeptical of Trump. If there's anything I've ever trusted him at, it's a poker table. Okay? Because this is how he built everything. His brand, his fortune, his TV show, his empire, his presidential campaign— is playing this game. And and here is the game, I think. And and the game is, even most lefties wish their kids had senior proms, wish they could go to their kids' ball games, right? You're, you're living there in a state that votes like 60% Democrat, right? They, they go to their kids' games, their kids' uh, ballet recitals, they, they, right? They like, they like going to University of Maryland sporting events and watching the Orioles, right? They, they, not, not everybody doing this is a bunch of right-wing uh, you know, gun toters, right? They, they or like or just a, the porn shops. Right. Well, that too, okay? <laughs> so so uh, they understand we cannot do this indefinitely. And Governor Cuomo hinted at this. It's funny, your buddy Ron DeSantis is getting hammered right now for saying what Governor Cuomo said yesterday. It was a mistake to send the kids home from school to get further exposed to the elderly. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. And so there's a game of chicken being played right now where they are trying through the media, I believe, to make it, to, to, they want Trump to wait to restart this, to ramp it up incrementally and, and little by little get us going again to hold off for as long as possible so they can then turn him into Herbert Hoover because this is if you wait too much longer this is irreparable between now and November and you and you turn him into Hoover and blame him for the hysteria the hysteria the hysteria and the panic that you caused 
Okay. And then Trump's gambit is he knows this. He obviously knows this. That's why he's instinctively acting and doing what he, what he's doing that we're supporting. But he also can't get so far out ahead that we're not really sure truly what our own data says, not to mention so many major financial decisions in this country are made in New York city, which is the, the area that really is singularly afflicted with this more than any place in America by far. And so he's he's got to he's got to go early before the media becomes more populous than him and turns him into Herbert Hoover. But he can't go so early that he risks exposure we don't yet know about. And this is the political game that is right now being played. And I think it's going to play out in relatively short order, like in the next two, three, four weeks at the absolute most. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. And I think his messaging needs to be one day at a time. The chemotherapy in terms of the economic, human and liberty toll is devastating that you wouldn't want to administer it any longer than you need to. So you don't just say, hey, I'll put you on chemo for two years straight. Well, let, let's see. We take CAT scans. We, you know, we, we try to work with you. That needs to be the messaging. But Steve, here's where the here's where the leverage is. Here's where I see it going. And 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 this is what we need to mobilize in. It's time for our listeners, our grassroots to get state legislators involved because this is going to play out at a state level. What a lot of people are forgetting is the federal government really didn't do anything. They didn't shut anything down. They had guidance. It's all the states and then the blue states and the rhino governors and then now even blue county governments in red states, you know. Somehow right. a county guy. One of our big God. Democrat counties here is shutting down and trying to pressure our Republican yeah. governor to, to that who has she exactly. has not done so yet, but trying to pressure her to do so. Yeah. So what they're gonna do is they were already relishing in this because they love anarcho tyranny, aka let out the criminals, close the gun shop so you can't defend yourself, lock you in at home arrest. That that they, they love it right. as an end to itself. And that is clear, and we prove that. Um, because they're not even saying with a heavy heart, we need to, you know, let's take it a week at a time. No, they're like, we're going to adamantly do it. So they want this. But then now it's personal. Now that Trump is saying, let's strive to open it up April 12th, which, by the way, the State Department said we're going to strive to open refugee resettlement by April 7th. And somehow there was nothing wrong with that. Um, so now it's a game. Now they're going to be like, my theory is that these SOBs are going to go ahead and even when they know that there's no need for it, they're going to continue clamping down just to spite him. And what people need to do is the state legislatures need to get involved and say, wait a minute, you are not God. We want to have strong leadership in a crisis time and you don't want multiple cooks in the kitchen. But then again, frankly, there's 50 governors and hundreds of local officials making their own rules anyway. Right. And number two Number two is there's got to be transparency and balance and a check in some way, whether it's a time limit that you come back every seven days, whether it's that you have to present certain data, whether it's that certain things are left off limits. There's got to be, if nothing else, the liberty is insane. And, you know, I was called a fascist for so long for being tough on crime in the border. Where are all these pot smoking Cato libertarians now? I don't see any of them. In fact, some of them seem to be cheering this. Um, this is something we need to start fighting. Two more things that need to happen. Number one, a law that st- governors and state officials don't get paid until the economy is humming at a certain yep. bench line. Yep. And number two, it's time to make them feel the pain. In this bill they passed, they, they gave $150 billion to states. You know, Aside from hospitals, individuals, small, large businesses, states, and local governments. 
What they're doing is they're subsidizing the states to continue screwing with the economy. What Trump needs to do next week and say is, is to come and say, no ticky, no shirty. You break it, you own it. If you're going to continue it beyond where the feds want to continue it, fine. Yep. Then you go and pay for it. And I'm part of that. We need to push in the state legislatures. Go and suspend the property taxes for the duration. Because that the that shutdown. is the number one Yes. mechanism of funding for the vast majority of states in this union is property Call your taxes. state legislators. That's yep. what needs to happen. You may find too, because I could see a state like a California, a, you know, very left-wing state, huge, huge economy that whose impact impacts the rest of our economy as well. You could see a, a guy with future presidential aspirations like a Gavin Newsom there just say, hey, hey, Trump wants to open us back up. We're going to stay closed the whole summer because he knows he can just blame it on Trump later. Yeah. This is where you may have politics, some interesting bedfellows, because Hollywood can't afford that. OK, if, if China's opening up its movie theaters, which it is. And that's the second biggest movie market in the world for Hollywood other than the United States. They need, they're going to want, I mean, Hollywood can't sit there and just let Gavin Newsom play six months of games with this because they're not getting a bailout. Okay. Not, not one signed by this president anyway. And, and, and you've got global movie theaters across and, and, the, and, and other things around the country opening up. People are going to want content. You may find, we might find some allies here. We had not previously considered when they realize uncle bingo realizes the bill for all of this is about to come due. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Look, Steve, millennials are millennials. And you know, this is where the hedonism comes into play. It's not like the Europeans who are stuck without any cars and public transportation sitting in their uh, windows clapping. And by the way, that just made me nauseated to the notion that we're going to bring that to America. Ooh, clapping for the rescue workers down there. And I'm not laughing at the expression of gratitude for them. It's the notion of them being tied up in their homes like, you know, w w this is not who we are in America. This is unwarranted. It's it's ridiculous. It's overkill. And I will add one more thing, Steve, and I will defend this every day of the week. The same way states are a bulwark against the federal government. Remember, the foundation of all of this, as Madison said, was because the Articles of Confederation states were being tyrannical to each other. And there is a role for the national federal government, as we saw with Jim Crow, mm -hmm. when you are violating unalienable rights. Right. Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying yep. that now, but if they continue it too long and too severely, there is a role to send in the National Guard to cut the nonsense out. Right. I mean, Governor Falvis in Arkansas cannot pretend that the 14th Amendment to the Constitution was not ratified. He can't do that. You're exact. You and that's why and that's why Eisenhower yeah. set the National Guard in against him, and he was right exactly. to do so. Yes. And that well was done. to go to school, much less be you know, in home right. arrest. Right, right. Always good to see you, my friend. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. Take care. God, God bless. bless. Any final thoughts about that conversation, gentlemen? Well, it's a remarkable tour uh, through the philosophy of uh, subsidiarity right there at the end. Again, don't, don't, don't be ridiculously tribal. People are interestingly on Twitter talking about how scripts have flipped and Democrats arguing Republican things and vice versa. Well, that's because it's tribalism and not logic. What you heard right there is logic about the proper role of government in each sphere on particular issues. We're going to stick around and do some overtime. Our good friend Rob Eno is going to be joining us here on Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash days is how you can watch that and subscribe to Blaze TV as well for a discount. For the rest of you, see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.